Hey Paisanos, editing specs here. I am just giving you a heads up that there's going to be a lot of visual information in the second half of this podcast. So what I've done is for this particular podcast, anytime we're talking about something that you might want to pick to reference for, I'm going to flash it up on YouTube. Unless we're talking about Bowser's penis, in which case Catsman's told me not to because YouTube might crack down on us hard. If you're just listening at home, you usually are in the car or walking around or whatever while you're listening to this, that's fine. Just all of the links to anything we talk about will be in the description as usual, including all of the pictures that are put into the YouTube video. But if you want to make the most out of it and make it easier for yourself, watch on YouTube and you'll be able to see what we're talking about. Free for all! So the Wii doesn't have an operating system, no. it just has a what? So in a multitasking operating system, say the Wii had an operating system, you would hit the home button and then the operating system would take over and display that menu that comes up that lets you exit from the game and like uh, like change your controller settings and things. But the Wii doesn't have an operating system. Instead, what happens is as part of their certification program, Nintendo forced every developer to add an identical menu screen into their game that's triggered when you press the home button on the Wii console. I love shit like that. <laughs> then when when you go back to the home menu though like is that not an operating system no that's just jumping to code that's on the flash memory instead of in the wii's ram it's not actually multitasking because that completely exit if you could pause the game go into that menu and come back then they would have had to make an actual operating system but you don't you completely quit the game and then you completely start up something else no right it's the equivalent of taking one cartridge out of a super nintendo and putting another cartridge in Assuming you could do that without turning it off. Although I think maybe when you do that, the Wii does turn itself off. Wouldn't surprise me. See, now I'm just thinking about if Bethesda made a console no. and how it, it would still <laughs> it would still be in the uh, creation engine. And when you played a game, like a game is literally just a, a character model who walks on screen and their head is... Yeah, it's a character model that's hidden with all the code like in the character scripting. And their head is just a TV and they're just standing the the right distance away from the camera. I was watching a video the other day about those Bethesda Terminator games, about how they're basically all just as janky as Bethesda's games are now. What is wrong with Bethesda? Seriously, what is wrong with them? Bethesda made a game in like 1996 that was actually really forward-looking in a lot of aspects, but it still had like weird, horrible like collision detection bugs when you tried to jump onto things and it still like spawned you in the wrong direction direction when you went through a door god bless them they've not improved in that length of time you know it's almost endearing at this point we've said this many times glad they're here i'm glad they're here you know it's like it's like joe biden's shitty dog <laughs> i didn't know joe biden had a shitty dog yeah yeah this shitty dog it kept biting people and it has to be they took it to dog training like it's 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 a standard german shepherd thing like where they have like four people who they're cool with and then they and then like they just kind of like flip out and get nervous all the time are presidential pets subject to the same security proceedings as almost certainly not yeah no like i feel like they're they'll have doubles of a presidential pet they'll have doubles of them what so the pet doesn't die while they're in office is that a bad sign yeah, I guess so. Because I was going to say, people have kidnapped celebrity dogs before and held them for ransom. Mm -hmm. 
If there's less security on presidential dogs, do you think you could do the same thing? I don't know. Like, uh, like the law around that shit gets really weird because uh, it might be like one of those things where like in the United States, you cannot say I will kill the president. I said that in quotes as an example, but like you are not allowed to say I will kill Joe Biden and eat him on December the 27th, 2023. Yeah, exactly. That'd be a great example of something that you couldn't say. Yeah, no one would say that. Uh, but I don't know about like, oh, I'm going to kidnap Joe Biden's mangy dog and <laughs> let it hang out with my cats. What about now? It's time to rock with the bigger the buck bumble. Bigger the buck bumble. Start. Yeah, do you want me to do it this time? Uh, if if you want to, yeah. I haven't said the intro in like years. <laughs> Specs just does it every time because <laughs> he runs this shop now. I'm along for the ride. CG the dead face of Catsman into every future podcast long after I've departed this mortal coil like a Star Wars character. Well, I'm planning on at some point when deepfakes become good enough i am just going to write scripts of podcasts and i'm going to take all the audio i've been compiling of everyone and use it oh i love it so we won't even need to be here anymore i won't need you anymore there's hundreds of hours of us on file there's more than enough oh yeah that's good actually that's good because what i would do then is when i die I would install a little, have a little computer installed in my tombstone and have it say things in my voice as you walk past. That's actually a really funny idea. <laughs> That's better than the Black Mirror episode. It wouldn't create a virtual double, but you'd be walking through the graveyard and it'd be like, hey, Catsman here, come over here and take a look at my interactive grave. And it would have a little Wi-Fi network. You'd get free Wi-Fi, but only for my website. At my grave, I would just tell you uh, interesting things about the Elder Scrolls <laughs> for all of eternity. <laughs> so no difference between living Mike and dead Mike. Yeah, yeah. Hello, you're listening to Lunchtime. I'm Catsman. With me today, Michael. Yes. Moogle. This is a bad idea. Speckle. Yeah. And Wooly. This is a great idea. Yes! I want to talk to you about the nicknames of darts players. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so I'm just going to go through and just read some darts player nicknames because I think they're fun. And maybe we can discuss what we think their powers are as well. All right. Yeah. Let's start with Alan Green. His nickname is Danger Scouse. Danger Scouse. <laughs> Danger Scouse. <laughs> For those of you not... <laughs> For you millennials. There's a millennial Danger Mouse. People know what it is. Oh, yeah, they made a remake of Danger Mouse, didn't yeah. they? For you non-British people, we have a cartoon called Danger Mouse. Savannah Mouse is a secret agent. It's pretty good, actually. Yes, He's a yeah. better secret agent than James Bond, the Ooh. fucking shit. Bob Anderson, the limestone cowboy. 
It's like half cowboy, half golem. A rhinestone cowboy is like a country singer, right? So what's a limestone cowboy? I don't know. I have no idea. Brian Woods, his nickname is Pecker. Awesome. Because he's Woods Pecker. Mm-hmm. Presumably, when they introduce him, they say Adam Woods Pecker. Like, that, that's how they introduce him. Adam Woods Pecker. Yeah, it would be Adam Pecker Woods. Would it? Adam Pecker Woods. <laughs> David Copley, the Dart Knight. Man. <laughs> <laughs> There's Carlos Rodriguez. The Spanish assassin. Is that because in his part-time... Well, no, I guess his full-time job is killing people and then he does darts as a hobby. (laughs) (laughs) He kills them with darts. Uh, Daryl Gurney, super chin. Oh, that's good. Love it. Carol Sedlasek? He goes by Evil Charlie. Evil Charlie. <laughs> awesome. Hey, hey, what's the uh, what's the NBE thing after someone's name mean? Member of the British Empire. Oh, okay, yeah. Cause... It means you're a nonce. <laughs> well, yes, because th- that is John Lowe, NBE, uh, Old Stoneface, the legend. Ooh. He's got two nicknames. He's, he's big time. Yeah. I like the ones that rhyme. Scott Rand, Cool Hand. It sounds like a bingo call. <laughs> cool Hand ain't bad because that's what you use to play darts, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 That actually makes sense. <laughs> Steve Duke, Dukey of the Duke. Oh, come on. You're not even trying with that, are you? Kirk Shepard, Martial Dartist. Terrible. <laughs> Martial Dartist. No. No. I like it. Mark Frost. Frosty the Throw Man. Disgusting. Disgusting. Yeah, I like darts because it's not a good sport. And I like these because they're not good nicknames. It's a sport for outer shape dads. Exactly. You guys don't have like like the gun and like home defense culture that we have in America. So do like British dads who want to like look tough, like say like, oh yeah, if you if you come to my house, I'll fucking throw a dart in your throat. Oh hell yeah. I don't think British dads threaten anyone unless it's to like be, I guess, over competitive at uh, taking your kids go-karting or something. Mike, do they do darts in America? You'll see them in a lot of bars, but like it's it's not like a typical thing. It's not like a competitive sport that people take seriously. Well, no, it's it's thing is it's like it's like a big country. There's like a fucking niche for everything. Like you could probably find some American professional darts people, but like it's not like in every city. In terms of dad sports that you can play while having a beer, I think bowling fills that niche in the U.S. Oh yeah, bowling's the other one. Yeah, snooker. Bowling, snooker, darts. Bowling is what you do if you want to have a beer and be happy, whereas snooker is what you do if you want to have a beer and be fucking miserable. <laughs> yeah. There's a recent like rise in axe throwing, but it's less of a dad thing and more of like a like corporate team building or you know, oh, yeah, bring my that, kids yeah. in my my awful loveless marriage because they say we don't do anything <laughs> anymore. <laughs> In the UK, darts is so big that they used to have darts on the radio. <laughs> no, I'm being serious. I don't understand how that works, but you would just hear the noise of the dart hitting the board and someone would go, travel 20, 60. <laughs> that was literally a fucking gag in Comrade Detective when they, when they're like, oh, hey, can I turn on your radio? This, this My favorite gymnast is doing her floor routine. Well, I mean, has anyone here watched Bullseye? Oh, Bullseye. Bullseye is a darts game show in the UK where people play darts by phoning in and then telling the person to like, or like Uh, calling uh, out where they wanted the dart to go. Down, down. 
I want to close with a few from the back end of the dark nicknames. Ryan Murray, Muzz Lightyear, <laughs> Riz Mathewson, uh, Muffo. <laughs> no. Lindsay McDonald, the wee yin, the party starter. <laughs> William Borland, Big Willy. Mm. Willy Van Der Weel, Free Willy. Hiya! Now can we talk about Buck Bumble? Now we can talk about Buck Bumble. I hate Buck Bumble. <laughs> Insert Buck Bumble music here. What about now? It's time to rock with the bigger the Buck Bumble. What about now? It's time to rock with the bigger the Buck Bumble. Bum to the bum to the bum to the base. Bum to the bum to the bumble. Yeah, my name is Buck and I'm here to party. So, music first or music last? First. Let's talk about the only good thing in this game first, which is a single, a single a track single of music track of that music. plays in the part of the game that you're likely to skip because you want to start playing the game. Yeah, it only plays on the title screen. Only plays on the intro and then the title screen. And it's an absolute banger. And the rest of the game has a similar sounding theme that isn't as good in gameplay. <laughs> That's the thing, right? People People see Buck Bumble and they hear, what about now it's time to rock with the Biggity Buck Bumble? And they're like, well, even if the game isn't that good, I'm sure it will have, you know, uh, a UK like garage soundtrack that absolutely slaps. And it doesn't. No, it really does not. It's sort of got the same sounding music throughout the game, but it's just like they've taken some elements from the, uh, from the theme song and just cut them out and made a worse song. Yeah, it's one song and then they've, they've taken patterns out of the theme song and arrange them differently in all the other tracks. Over the credits, you'd expect the killer music to come back, and it doesn't. No. <laughs> the credits music is not the intro music. <laughs> it's awful. The rest of the game. Now, this is made by Argonaut. Argonaut are the people who made the original Star Fox game, so they've yep. got some idea of how to do a shooter, third-person, fly game. They hadn't made a Six Degrees of Freedom shooter before, I don't think, because they didn't work on Star Fox 64. That was a different team. That was like in-house Nintendo. But like Argonaut made one of the good flight games, right? This game is trash. Yeah. It's just bad. It's such a missed opportunity because you, th you think, oh, it's a it's a shooting sort of, you know, third person shooting game where you fly around and you play as a bee and you're like, oh, cool. So it's a six degrees of freedom shooter. No. Oh, OK. So it's a it's a shooter where you always stay upright, but presumably you can like strafe around and hit things. No. Oh, so it's a third person flying shooter that's not six degrees of freedom with stages that all look identical where the scale of everything is kind of wrong in the world so all of the enemies are really small and you just end up like staying in one place and spamming weapons into clouds of enemies until they die yeah it's one of those and all of the geometry looks the same because it's covered in masses of fog so you get lost very easily and there's no map function it is a profoundly profoundly ugly game like yep. even even by N64 standards, like just really horrible looking, unappealing colors, bad texturing, levels that all look the same and fog that makes it impossible to see more than like six feet in front of you. The reason the game doesn't work from a gameplay perspective is in Star Fox, the reason you can fly towards things and shoot them and not get hit yourself is twofold. One, you're on a stationary track kind of thing the whole way through. You don't have to worry about like things moving left or right too much because they're on a set path for, for the most part. So you know you can shoot and then get out of the way. Two, you can barrel roll to reflect shots that are coming directly at you. So you can shoot the enemy and you have a defensive option for if they shoot back at you. 
Buck Bumble has no defensive options. Yeah. All you can do is turn to look away from the enemy, which means if you're flying directly towards the enemy, which is the only way you can aim at them, yeah. then you're going to get shot at by that enemy. And not only can you not stop, because if you stop, you like fall down, you also can't fly backwards. So there is no way to target an enemy without also flying into them. Yep. Yeah. And you can't strafe. The C buttons are all used for changing weapons. I think C up like lets you zoom a bit with some of the weapons as well. But if that had been used, it's difficult because the N64 controller doesn't really work very well for it. But you could still have used like the D-pad or the C buttons to like let Buck strafe. Yeah, there's something you could have. You obviously couldn't strafe in like every degree of freedom, but just a strafe toggle that lets you go like up, down, left, and right while targeting an enemy would have made this an actual fucking shooting game yeah what i will give the game props for is it's got interesting weapons and you unlock more weapons throughout most of the game i kept bumping into new weapons and being like oh i haven't used this before some of them are just variants on previous weapons that you've got but there are some interesting ones in there there's like a remote controlled missile that you mm. use like the nikita missile in um metal gear solid there's like some homing laser beam things that are pretty cool there's some all right sound effects on the weapons as well i guess the game has very nice explosions that's the one good thing i'll say about it did you play this game mike i thought you did i thought you were like yeah i picked up buck bumble yeah it was boring it was fucking stupid <laughs> it's so dull if the game i had to go back to wasn't resident evil village which also has been kind of boring honestly <laughs> i don't i don't know this this sucked <laughs> I only watched Specs play this and all the environments look so similar that I yeah. could hardly tell what he was doing or where he was going. Like level to level, but also within the same level, everything looks the same. Every yeah. level has the same colored fog. There's like three different sets of textures in the game. I only saw the first one in my playthrough because I got bored. But there's like, you know, there's the outdoor garbage texture, there's forest textures, and then there's sewers. Because of course there are. You can have a good game without fucking endless, identical looking sewers. I just kind of let it wash over me. But one thought I had is that, like, I think Mario 64 is a bad example for people making games on the N64. Because they always seem to be like, oh, we're going to have the player exploring this big 3D space. And then they just don't put any stuff in the space that make it interesting to explore. Or they don't put any movement options that make it fun. It's fun to move around in Mario. Yeah, That's what makes yeah. it work in this game. This would have been better. It probably wouldn't have been good, but it would have been serviceable if it was a rail shooter like Specs was talking about. But no, we need to yeah. have this exploration feature that we don't actually do anything with. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing about the structure of the game. Like, hunting down every single enemy in a level and killing it fucking sucks. Yeah. And all of the boss fights are over in like five seconds because you just shoot your biggest weapon at the enemy and it dies. <laughs> Most people would have the same experience, I think, that we had with it. Like, I think Argonaut had the same experience where they were like, haha, a game where you play as a bee and shoot people and it has like a theme tune that goes, what about now it's time to rock with the Piggity Buck Bumble? Like, they're like, oh, that'd be fun. And like six months into developing it, they got bored with it and just shat something out with like absolute, with just a bunch of empty levels filled with pointless enemies. The credit sequence and like the title menu don't look finished either. 
Yeah, I mean, all of the user interface looks temporary. Yeah, it really does. I think this game was, they got to like alpha and they were like, let's just, let's just make Croc 2 our magnum opus and and (laughs) fucking skip this. (laughs) So, Moogle, did you have this game as a kid? I own a cartridge of this video game. I had it when I was probably like 14, 15. What did you think when you were 14, 15 of this game? Uh, I didn't play it that much. I beat it once and never touched it again, which is like, that's code for I didn't like it, pretty much. I would not have finished this game if I didn't make it a point that I have to finish every game I play for the podcast. Yes. (laughs) I didn't finish it. It's just not very good. It's insultingly mediocre in so many respects. Yeah, the thing is, it's not bad enough to be a fun bad game. If you're sitting there thinking, haha, this sounds trash. No, just ignore it. Much like Pepsi Man, the most memorable thing is the theme song. Yes. I mean, Pepsi Man is a fun game, I'm going to be honest. Speaking of characters who were inserted into video games to sell food and or drink products... You're going to talk about The Noid, aren't you? The Mm. Noid is back. Mm. In a couple of formats, he's back in the um, Crash Infinite Runner game. Crash Bandicoot's got like a mobile runner game and The Noid is a playable character in it. The Noid is a playable character in the final Crash Bandicoot game because the developer is now a COD support studio. Remember that guy who like robbed the Domino's pizza because his name was also Noid and he thought they were out to get him? He's got to be going crazy right now. I think he's dead. I think he killed himself actually in prison. Yeah, oh shit. Yeah. I assume Domino's, you know, they drove him to distraction with their insufferable Noid campaign, and then his blood is on their hands. So they were like, well, we can't use the Noid anymore. So they sat quietly waiting until it was long enough away from the incident that most people would have forgotten. Well, I haven't forgotten Domino's. You killed that man, and one day you'll pay your reparations. Rest in peace, Noid. Guy had a rough life? Kenneth Lamar Noid. The Noid is also back in television ads showing off the power of the unmanned delivery drones that deliver Domino's pizza now. (sighs) The Noid is shown to be trying to capture them, but they outwit him at every turn, for they are AI-powered, unlike the Noid. Uh, He's just back as a jobber for their new delivery bots. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all all he ever was. Like he was always trying to destroy Domino's Pizza and it, like the the show was that the Noid couldn't destroy a Domino's Pizza because it was too powerful. Well, because they have that little plastic thing in there in the center. They've got that little tiny plastic table. That's the tiny table, yeah. Yeah, the tiny little table. Do you guys hear about Bowser's penis being removed from Patreon? Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> what? Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. There was, I think, was it a Unity store asset that someone made of a Bowser themed penis? And <laughs> I heard this, I was like, oh, I know what that's going to look like. And I looked at it and I was like, actually, that's a pretty good penis that they've modeled there. <laughs> that's a shame that we've lost that to history. <laughs> I'll get you a picture. Do we really want a picture? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll have a I'll have a look. I'm sitting here awaiting the Bowser's penis picture. Yeah, we're all we're all adults here. Penis. Bowser doesn't have anything you haven't seen before. <laughs> oh man. Damn. That is actually a lovingly crafted penis. Uh, my favorite thing is that he also has spikes on his testicles. Spiky testicles? No. Bowser wouldn't wear a cock ring, are you kidding me? Dude, yes he he's would! Wearing, Look at he's that. wearing it's like his bands and leg bands. It's perfect! No, he fucking wouldn't. I think Bowser is kind of a prude, to be honest with you. Mm. He never struck me as a 
fetish kind of guy. He's naked all the time. I don't think he's a prude, but I think he is a very good parent, and he actively tries to protect Bowser Jr. from bad things, as we've established. I think Bowser Jr.'s a little fuck. He is. All, any good parenting is wasted on that kid. Almost certainly. Bowser Jr. definitely goes on a lot of websites that he shouldn't be on at his age. Yeah. <laughs> the question is, was someone at Nintendo hired to look specifically for modelled penises of Nintendo characters and take them down off Patreon? Or was this some sort of AI crawler bot that just picked up on the word Bowser? Mm. I think this is the Nintendo copyright police, and I think having to look at endless Nintendo dicks is their punishment. I wouldn't mind if I saw this. I'd be like, oh, I've got to take it down, but... I appreciate that. I feel like you'd get pretty tired pretty fast. Like, this is novel to me now, yeah. but imagine just, like, spending your job, like, looking at Nintendo hentai. You'd get distressed, I think. I'd get aroused. Nice cock. I imagine if, if, it, if it was my job to just look at porn all the time, I wouldn't have a sex drive anymore. I would, just, I would just like, this is too much. This means nothing. I like the idea that the Nintendo Copyright Office, you know, when someone finds a picture of Bowser's cock, they, they have two criteria. They pass it around to all their colleagues. Like, number one, do you think this cock is true to Shigeru Miyamoto's original vision? <laughs> <laughs> and if it's not? If it's not, then it's allowed to stay up. But yeah, uh, Bowser's penis, I, I think that's a well-modeled penis. And that's a penis I would be proud to hold. It's spiky, I wouldn't touch it. Also, you can... Yeah, yeah, no. I like the balls being like spike balls. Yeah, that's the best touch. That's the real touch. The That's that's the flair. He would tear up every pair of underwear he ever put on. That's why he doesn't. Yeah, which that's is why, why he doesn't, doesn't wear... I strongly object to the cock ring. Bowser is not a cock ring guy, no way. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I think we've learned a lot today. I think we've learned a lot. Project Deluge Part 2 has come out. We talked about Part 1 before. Uh, a load of PS1 prototypes have been released in a similar manner to uh, Project Deluge Part 1, which was a load of PS2 games. The only thing that I've heard about from this that's interesting is there's a prototype of, I think, Spyro 2 or 3, where none of the dialogue is finished, so all of the characters just tell you to fuck off. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's Spyro 3. I think it's very funny. Honestly, same. It's just things like, oh, I haven't coded this bit yet. Please, please go do something else. Piss off. Or yeah, a lot of people are just like, you don't have enough money, fuck off. Okay. This will be in the show notes, but uh, this is a Vex condom. <laughs> <laughs> Why? It has a picture of the character Vex, oh who was like Acclaim's last attempt to stay relevant and build like an edgy action platformer character. It has a picture of Vex and it says, Vex before you sex. That's actually really funny. Also, in the replies, the Conker's Bad Fur Day condom. <laughs> Apparently this was E3 swag, though. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Oh, wow, the Conker condom actually has Conker on it, on the condom itself, not just on the wrapper. Yeah, fuck this Vex condom. Does, does that mean, so his nose is going to be at the tip of your penis, so his face is just going to get stretched all across your penis? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll be honest, I kind of want to see if I can find one of those and see what it looks like on my dick. <laughs> give us a review, Specs. Give us a review. I'll give you a picture if I find one. Mm, no thanks. Old ass dried out condom. <laughs> <laughs> just rehydrate it, it's fine. Just rinse it out. All those people who tell you you can't reuse condoms, uh... You know, they're killing the planet. They're killing the planet. They are, they are. All right, like, it's super fucking simple, okay? You go down to a river, and you just, like, let the motion of the water do most of the work. 
All right, but in all seriousness, public service announcement, a lot of people don't use condoms, right? And there's a couple of things you've got to remember. One, when you're putting it on, you've got to pinch the top so you don't get air trapped in it or it might break more easily. And two, you've got to get both of your testicles inside or it won't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, obviously, when uh, when washing them in a river, like make sure you're upstream from any kind of major city or like sewage outlet. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. Or better, wash them in the canal. Socks do not work as a substitute for condoms. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, packets of salt and vinegar crisps. <laughs> Packets of salt crisps do, but only if you turn them inside out first. Yeah, yeah. And uh, party balloons will, but only if they're the type that don't explode when you fill them with water and then throw them at your sister. (laughs) Why you like this? We were having a nice discussion about washing your condoms in the canal, and you come out with this fucking shit. People need to know. I mean, I'm learning things. Wow. They announced DLC for the Outer Wilds, but I have no idea what, like... Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Like, how do you do DLC for that game? I know, well, and they did a good enough job of the original. Like, I, I hope it's not just like a, like a kind of like final cut thing. Is it the same team? Yeah, it's, yeah, Dan Aperna. I'm hoping it'll be something adjacent. I'm hoping it doesn't mesh in with everything else. Because if it's something, like, I've already completed the game, so playing it through again for new content that gets shoved in yeah. where I've already finished it, it's not going to feel special, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I'm genuinely curious as to as to how that's going to play out. Like, I, I, I really have no idea what they're going to do. It feels like such a complete game. Like, I don't feel like there's anything it needed extra, and I don't feel like it had any bloat. So it's going to be weird to see if this could improve on the base or whether it's just going to be like, oh, I wish they hadn't actually touched it again. Well, either way, I mean, it, like, uh, it's like another release cycle and hopefully it gets more people interested in it because it's a spectacular game. Yeah, good game. Have you played any of the? Has, have either of you two, Willie and uh, and Mike, or, or even Cats, because he was playing it? You played any of the re-release of uh, Disco Elysium yet? Yes, it's good. It's nice to hear like some of the lines spoken out loud. The the narrator guy is is really solid. People were saying like, oh, they should do like a different voice for every single skill, but I kind of agree with the developers that that would be like a little much. I don't know if I will play it because. I played through it three times, almost in a row. Yeah. And then I watched Specs play it, and I watched another phone play it. So I've I've had a lot of Disco Elysium in my life in the short time it's been out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'll probably get back to it at some point because they did add new areas, didn't they, and stuff. Yeah. There's a there's a new area, and then there is a uh, political vision quest for each political alignment. I did the communism one, which is very it's it's really well made. It involves joining like a like a local communist book club reading this incredibly like dense thing of like theory that talks about like like worker plasm or <laughs> yeah it's 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 fun it's it's very much within the same vein of uh of the rest of the game i think maybe they went the wrong way with this expansion i don't think the game needed to be fully voice acted so i think i would have preferred just more content rather than like redressing the content with voice acting and also i've heard kuno's new voice actor and i'm like no yeah no i've talked about this before but i i like reading dialogue in games and i like what the original did where you got a little bit of voice
voice. Yeah. Just to get like a sense of the character and then the rest that you could read. I find yeah. listening to dialogue slows down the pace too much. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I agree, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't like reading in video games. I don't want to read my video games. Then why are you playing this game? It's not for this, this game's target audience. It's something like when I'm watching fucking streamers because it's, it's just so jarring. It's like, oh, you're sitting through every line of dialogue as opposed to like, okay, you, you hear the initial bark and then you just start skipping when you finish reading it. Dialogue in games is so... I, I don't think I've ever seen it outside of a cutscene where it hasn't been like super fucking slow and just like not like how anybody else talks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's because a lot of games don't, they don't bother to time the dialogue. They just chop up the voice clips and then play them at like one second intervals and it always sounds awkward. I would still recommend it. Obviously, if you haven't played Disco Elysium, you can play a more fleshed out version of it. Yeah. Great game. I like most of the improvements. Jigglypuff! I'm I'm so so angry that there's a fucking new crypto coming out and it's going to make hard drives really expensive. Oh you fuckers! Oh God, I need to hoard data. Damn it, Catsman! You've made big money on crypto. You can use the big money you made on crypto to buy hard drive space and then use that to make more money on crypto. When Specs says big money, what he means is that I mined 20,000 Dogecoins the day after they were invented, and I sold them a couple weeks ago at the end of a six-month period of being unemployed. Fucking sick, dude. In a way, I can claim that I was employed, but I won't tell people what I did to survive. It's a deep, deep shame, and I sold a piece of my soul. All crypto is bad, and yes. any crypto backed by Elon Musk, yeah, sell it. Yes. Sell it. It just if you have Dogecoins right now, sell them. I like that uh, Bitcoin went down seventeen percent the other day because of Elon Musk. With a lot more than that, after having gone up a gigantic amount, it went it, it went down again. Dogecoin went down because Elon Musk was unfunny. Uh, Bitcoin went down because he's deliberately trying to manipulate the market somehow. He said like we're going to allow you to buy Tesla cars with with Bitcoin, and then like he backtracked on it again, and then said no, I'm not going to let that happen because it's bad for the environment. And it instantly went down 17% after he made that announcement. What's what's awful about this is it is basically insider trading what he's doing. Oh, yeah. I don't think it classes as insider trading because Bitcoin is not like regulated on the stock no. market. No, it's not. However, do you remember when Elon Musk said, my company is not worth as much as people say it is, and the, the share prices dropped? Yeah. <laughs> allowing him to then buy up shares in his own company yep. to yep. then, yep. when it rises again, have a big a stake in his company. Yeah. That's that's insider trading, definitely. Yeah. Well, it's market manipulation. That's market well, yeah, it's market manipulation rather than insider trading, but it's bullshit. I had some Dogecoin and I had a little bit of a GameStop stock, you know, because I was like, okay, on a lark, you know, I'll do it. You know, this was like a yeah. like back in January. And like I ultimately came out in the green, came out like 20 bucks richer and spent it on beer. Nice. Nice. But like while I had that fucking like Robinhood app, I'm like I'm just staring at it. I'm like, this is stupid. This is the stupidest fucking thing ever. Yeah. And it's incredibly Money fucking, it's incredibly fucking stupid. Like, this isn't a job. <laughs> I made as much money by actively making the world a worse place, wasting electricity, and just randomly doing something that took one night in 2013 yep. than I made in, like, four months of being a research scientist. Mm -hmm. Like, what? <laughs> That's... 
<laughs> it's so stupid. It contributes nothing. It's literally just wasting fucking electricity. Let's segue back to other talk about money. Epic is losing hundreds of millions of dollars on the Epic Games Store. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thinks that they'll be profitable within the next five years. Epic, if you're listening to this, uh, more just free games. Yeah, give us more free games. Yeah, that's, that's how you're going to make money. Keep giving people free games. Yeah, the way to make money is to give me more free games, Epic. Gotta say, this was like a couple years ago, but I got Subnautica on there for free, and I absolutely would not have played that otherwise, and I really liked it. There was a chart of like what they paid for every game yes. that they gave to people. Yes. Some of them I think they paid too much for, to be honest. Far too much. There's a ratio of like how many people own the game, how many people bought the game, how much they paid for it, and like it's just not profitable. Burning that Fortnite money. Well, no, it's not profitable, but they're just trying to buy their way into the market, aren't they? But why? Because they want to be the store. Epic paid over $11.6 million in total for games in response to deals almost 5 million new users were signed up to the store translates to Epic paying $2.37 for each new user it signed up in this period. If each new user went on to buy $20 worth of games, then they would have made back what they spent on the free games. Yeah, no, people just took their free games then went right back to Steam. So I've probably spent about $20 on uh, Epic Game Store, I'd say. I bought Bug Snacks. I must have paid like five pounds for that and i bought jackbox no actually i probably paid about 15 dollars so far i got control red dead redemption horizon zero dawn the pathless and bug snacks as well obviously subnautica they spent 1.4 million dollars on apparently to give it out to people holy shit well i think it's because subnautica is one of those games that's it's got a really long tail i'd imagine there are still plenty of people buying it on steam mm. and it would have just yeah. put a massive dent in the sales of it they spent fifty thousand on world of goo oh my god <laughs> oh no I have purchased one single thing from Epic, and it was before they started doing all of this free stuff, and it was um, a game that I can't even remember the name of now, I just remember what it was, which is the Metroidvania that they made. Shadow Complex. Shadow Complex, that is it, yes. Beautiful game. That was on the 360. Yeah, they re-released it as you It was on the 360, and the only port it's ever had was on the Epic Game Store, when they first brought the Epic Game Store out was the first game that they launched with it. It's also, oddly enough, the last good game that they made. I mean, I got the Epic launcher so that I could play that new Unreal Tournament that they were making that I'm eternally bitter about. I gather that was bullshit, wasn't it? So It was shaping up to be a really good Unreal Tournament. Oh, did they just can it? It was shaping up to be, like, a lot better than Unreal Tournament 3. It probably would have been somewhere on par with, with 99 in 2004. Oof. And I don't actually blame them for not developing it because just no one played it. Yeah. Epic were like, hey, do you want like a free Unreal Tournament game that's pretty good? And everyone was like, no. And I think that's why Epic have become a villain. Hmm. People don't really want arena shooters anymore, though. That's no, the don't. issue. I want I them. do, but... Yeah, but you're not the market, Cats, man. The market is Fortnite kids. Fortnite kids. It's Fortnite. It's fucking Warzone. I'm sorry, I'm looking at my epic catalog. Anybody else play Bug Snacks? Yeah, I I really liked Bug Snacks. It's it fits a really nice niche of like not being low budget, not being high budget. It's like in the middle. We need more games like that. It's mm -hmm. just a kind of nice experience, and it's kind of new. It it does something kind of new, I guess. 
Eh, like I, I got through it. I thought it was fine, but I did like Bunger. Bunger was pretty cool. Bunger, Bunger, Bunger. It's a solid game. It's not like one of my favorites, but I, I really appreciate it for having come out recently and not being shit. Yeah, uh, and like you know, sophomore titles. It's always, it's always like a tough thing. Like Octodad, also, while like an incredible amount of charm to it, like did, did feel a little light when it came to things, and you could tell there was stuff cut out of it. That's the crucible of indie game developers who made one game that's kind of a meme game, is whether they can make a second game that's like... Yes. That's good in a sense other than being amusing. Yeah. Not to disparage Octodad, which came out really, like, it was at the very start of, like, physics-based comedy games. Like, that. Yeah, yeah. that's not nearly as tied a cliche as it is now. Like, it was fresh when they did it, but they couldn't have made another physics-based comedy game. Yeah. 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 I call that! You know what I'm going to tell you about? No. Go on. Onion Johnny. Onion Johnny. Yes, Onion Johnny! When were we talking about Onion Johnnies? The reason we started talking about Onion Johnnies was because I watched the music video for Vindaloo, and I think it was because I was thinking about the song Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. And confusing it with Vindaloo. No, no, no. It's It's got the same music video. So the music video for Vindaloo is a riff yeah, yeah. on uh, the music video for Bittersweet Symphony. Anyway, that, regardless, in the music video, there is an Onion Johnny. And I was looking through like the list of people who appear in the video because I was like I recognize some of these comedians who else is there and it was like there are also Onion Johnnies in the video and I'm like what the hell is an Onion Johnny so I click on the Wikipedia link to it and an Onion Johnny is the reason that we in England have a stereotypical image of a French person as wearing a striped white and black shirt with a beret with a wreath of onions or garlic around their neck because this was an actual thing that historically used to happen in the British Isles. Because it was more profitable to send your French farmers to England to sell their onions and garlic, we used to get what were termed as onion johnnies coming over from France on the ferry and selling us onions. On the street, they just cycle around yeah. with onions. They just cycle around and sell onions, and they wore black and white stripy shirts. <laughs> this is British culture. Specifically, it's because the roads from Brittany to Paris were so bad that yeah. it actually took less time to go over the English Channel. Yeah. And they didn't speak any English, really, or they didn't speak good English, apparently. They just cycled around, like, oh. showing you onions, and then you'd buy onions off the French man, and you'd call him Onion Johnny. It's a mythologized past that I didn't think existed. Just the notion that someone would actually, like, see the Onion Man coming down the street and, you know, you know, run downstairs and, and open the door. Hey, Onion Man, over here, I need some of those onions you've got. It's like the ice cream truck but he's just playing an accordion <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. He's cycling down the road with his knees up around his bike handles, playing his accordion, shouting Sacre Bleu! Oh, <laughs> Basically, 
Every single national or ethnic stereotype that exists is from the 19th century alone. Beautiful. Like, that's when people came up with all of them. It's beautiful. But they come from a true place in many places, which is so weird. Well, this one does. Yeah, it's just odd. That's what's weird. I assume this was nonsense that came from, you know, I don't know, political cartooning or something where yeah. someone just decided at some point that French people wore stripy shirts and had onions. But the fact that it was their uniform and their job was to come over on the ferry and sell onions in the south of England. Well, did we not have our own onion sellers? Yeah, aren't onions some of the few things that you can grow properly in this country? Hmm. Mummy, mummy, can I have a quid to go buy an onion? <laughs> A quid? Do you have any idea how many onions that would get you in, like, 1900? Truly the greatest of British culture. Uh, the golden age of Johnny's, according to the Wikipedia page, was in the 1920s. In 1929, nearly 1,400 Johnny's imported over 9,000 tonnes of onions to the UK. But the Great Depression and the devaluation of the pound put an end to it. When was the last onion, Johnny? That's that's a film right there. The Last Onion Johnny. I'd watch that. It would be one of those like weird mumblecore movies about someone being sad that their job was obsolete. I think it'd be like The Joker. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say split the difference and it'd be on the uh, uh, Criterion channel. <laughs> yeah. Now it'd be on the Hallmark channel. <laughs> no, no, come on. Onion Johnnies deserve better than that. I cannot get any work in this town anymore, ma chérie. <laughs> my onions have run dry. Don't stop, Onion Man. My garlic is fini. You'd better play that accordion while you can. Coffee! I need to go buy dinner for wrestling. Do you want to do some hamburger music? Yes, <laughs> let's, let's end this music. here. Yes, yes, yes. Give me the hamburger music. Catsman actually sent me this one years ago. Oh, really? Yes, you would recognize it. And it's it. only just resurfaced? Give it to me, Wolves. A vintage. This is from Monkey Island 2, uh, Stan's previously used coffins. I remember this. Starts with kind of a, a funeral organ, but then it hits you with the burger. <laughs> oh, this is a weird fusion. It's funeral burger. <laughs> Black burger. It's weird. It's like, it starts off funerally, and then it goes into Calypso, and then it goes into burger. <laughs> It's a burger with some pineapple on the top of it. Oh. Yes, that's and a black perfect. Bun. It's a little bit reggae as well. I'd forgotten how perfect this was. This is this is most definitely burger music. So discordant and jaunty, it's perfect. What's your take on this, Mike? Oh, well, no, it contains one of the most important burger music elements, which is uh, parallel minor seconds. 
just literally just like two notes exact like right next to each other moving in parallel do you want to like fully analyze the hamburger music playlist at some point mike and come up with like a chemical formula for hamburger generally like like yeah it's like it's it's brass yeah polytonal in a sense but yeah a lot of those like half step dissonances you said something about uh uh the dominant seventh chord last time we talked about it or something like that yeah 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 like if you if you're sitting in front of a keyboard you know you just yeah it's your classic c major and then just throw a uh, b flat on top of there and is that next to scroll lock just <laughs> 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 shoot myself dominant seventh chord like it naturally kind of resolves back up to a fourth but it's it's got a specific kind of character to it that can sound sort of corny depending on how you use it yeah that's that's a big burger element but that and apparently yes um half steps As a rule, having asked a question of installation of a ladder in the house, owners don't assume that the ladder and its protection are two absolutely different products. Well, if the same company, like us, is engaged in the arrangement of turnkey facilities and can offer to make a ladder and the metal fences on it in one set, but in practice it is rare. Therefore, before any owner of the stairs in the house in question arises, how to make it safe, we guarantee the best conditions of cooperation thanks to our own production, high potential design office and focus on long-term mutually beneficial partnership. It goes on for another two paragraphs talking about ladder manufacture. There is no link to anything. There's no website. There's no like person named as the person to get in touch with to buy this ladder. It's just a random AI generated nonsense about ladders and ladder protection. You say it's AI generated nonsense, but like have this being read out by a guy in a blazer and a headset on a stage. I, I went better than I. I'd buy a ladder, or ladder protection, as the case may be. Yes, they're not the same thing, remember. There's no point owning a ladder without ladder protection. They're right. Pays for itself. You know, there's a big milk. Maybe there's a big ladder. There's a company out there that doesn't care where you get the ladder from, or where you get ladder safety from, as long as you get a ladder. Yeah, got ladders. You've been listening to Lunchtime. Why? I don't know. Why are you still listening for? Go outside, see the world. Oh, wait, no, don't do that. Uh, stay inside. What, what's the next book club game? Are we finally doing Mitch's suggestion? What was Mitch's one? Disaster Day of Crisis. Mitch has said he'll be on the podcast if we do Disaster Day of Crisis. I will make a, a, an argument that Buck Bumble was so bad you should do the the tradition of like bad game good game well mitch says disaster day of crisis is a good game yeah, yeah but, but mitch, mitch says, says a lot that. of shit well does anyone have a good game suggestion because i'd like to play a good game i mean we talked about lsd dream simulator mm -hmm. it's not really a game but it might be a fun thing to talk about on the podcast you guys ever talked about uh, Subnautica? No. I think that's too involved. Yeah, it's like a 20, 30 hour game. You want something that's going to be like three hours. I mean, we've been talking a lot about Six Degrees of Freedom Shooters. I know we just did Buck Bumble, but we could like do a cleanser. We could try a good one. Descent. Descent would be a good one. Oh, yo, yo. Original Descent is, is fucking sick. I'm so down. Descent to, is great. Like the, the, the control scheme for that is still like like just like buried in my head i'm gonna be using the arrow keys to look <laughs> around and a to move forward and z to reverse oh god i played through the whole of the original descent literally like in the late 90s on a like a dos computer 
on a laptop actually mm-hmm. while on holiday with my parents in the Gower on a boring holiday. I have very fond memories of it. I think it's going to be one of those DOS games that I'll hate if I go back to. I'm meaning to play Overload as well. Is that the newish one? Yeah, it's newish and it's got support for Virtuals Reality, which seems like a really good fit for a Six Degrees of Freedom game. They need to bring this back, but like just in like Descent where they have like the dossier on the fucking different robots before each level. It's pure just presentation like window dressing stuff, but like it just makes a difference. Makes you makes you feel connected. I like games that have encyclopedias in them. Like I kind of like the encyclopedia thing. I like when you meet like a new enemy or a new object or go to a new place and you like get an entry in your encyclopedia whereby like if you want to, you can read a load of lore or silly jokes written by the developers. And if you don't, you can ignore it. Yeah. Oh, Catsman, you'd love this game called Dark Souls then. (laughs) I've not heard of that. No one's recommended that to me. That's it's a game. It's kind of like um, if you think about like Metroid or yeah. like Castlevania, the later ones, yeah. like Symphony of the Night. How like you're exploring a big world, and then sometimes you got to go back on yourself because you get a new key or something to go to a new area. And it's it's really light on story, and it does that thing that you just just described, where anytime you get an item, even if it's just like a weapon or a piece of armor, you can read about it to find out where it came from in the world. But you don't have to if you don't. Don't want to and you can just ignore the story altogether i think you can even skip most of the cutscenes. no i might check it out why are we having this conversation for the like the sixth fucking time <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's it's kind of like um it's like it's kind of like stellaris but you only got like one ship and it has to walk on the ground <laughs> it's like you, you know like legend of zelda's combat system where you lock on and you can walk around the guys and you can hit them with your sword and you can like roll to dodge them it's got a combat system that's like that but it's updated for modern times so it feels a bit more responsive and there's more you can do with it you can build your character in tons of different ways as well so like if you want you can be a wizard or you can be a cleric or you can like hybrid it and you can it's kind of shit though because you can't be a stealth archer which is like the best build i mean you can technically do that but it's just very bad yeah you're not you're not rolling extra dice why are you doing this to me i don't know why why are we having this fucking conversation yet a fucking again like can we fucking stop Oh, you know what else was a good game? Uh, could, could book club it. Uh, and honestly, I've been going back and playing through them. Um, Dishonored. We should, yeah. We haven't done like an immersive sim yet. I mean, I think we should pick something breezy. We could do dis- we could do Thief. We could do Deus Ex. Yo, I'd be up for Thief. I've always meant to play Thief. Same. Yeah, I've meant to sit down and like actually go back through it. Like, like the gameplay is great, but... The, the fucking graphics in the original one, like, it is, it, it's in that kind of, like, rough period. Yeah, Thief, Thief Gold is, like, an updated version of Thief, presumably. I want to play Thief. Yeah, original, yeah, original Thief. Pretty, pretty! Hi everyone, Editing Mode Specs here again to let you know that the rest of the podcast will be the review of the Princess Diana manga that we talked about on the last podcast. There's pictures on the YouTube version of the podcast so you can watch along as you listen along, or if you are out and about and listening then you can always just check the linked Google Doc at some other point that has all the pictures in anyway.
So I did read the entire Princess Diana manga that we talked about last episode, and I have prepared a review. Awesome. Do you want to do that now? Do you want me to deep dive a review of the Diana manga for you? I am so excited for this. I want like at least 15 minutes on the Diana manga, yeah. I'll share with you what I have compiled so you can read along as I talk, and I'll make this available in the show notes. On last podcast, in case you weren't listening, I discovered that there is a Princess Diana manga that like came out in what, like the late 90s, I'm going to say. So this was released in the year 2000, which is three years after Diana's death. It's actually not a manga, it's a manhua, because it's a Chinese manga. However, really? I'll use, yeah, I'll use the term manga because I am a plebeian and also culturally insensitive. Yeah. Yeah, this was uh, by a, a Taiwanese artist, I think. I think it's a lady who wrote it. I think she just must have liked the Diana story. But I don't know if she just lost steam towards the end, because it it ends before Prince William is even born, <laughs> and it goes nowhere, but we'll get into that. There is also a Princess Diana manga, which is Japanese, and uh, I can't find a translated copy, unfortunately, but I, if I can find a Japanese copy, I might pay for a professional translation of it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we know several people who speak Japanese? I do. I mean, Woolly's, Woolly's back on that now, right? I'm getting pretty good at Japanese, yeah. I could. I won't be able to do a good translation, but I could probably tell you what they're saying, at least. <laughs> Maybe we could do that. If I can find a Japanese copy somewhere, then we can totally do that. This is like a 23 chapter manga, I think. I have gone through each chapter, I've found out the historical context for what's going on in the manga at the time, and I've made comparison pictures that you can look along with if you want to uh, want to open up my document. Has everyone got it open? Yes, yes. Yeah. The first shot we've got there is the Princess Diana on the cover of the first chapter. I think that's probably Prince Charles behind her. They consistently get Prince Charles's hair color wrong in this. <laughs> they get his whole face wrong. Specs. We'll get to that. But um, looking at her, I mean, she didn't really look very much like this in real life. It is this this whole manga suffers from generic manga face on every character, and there's like nobody who really looks like they should in real life at any point. Every character has the same face shape. It's just some of them are taller than others. The problem is that this artist can only draw people with a very long chin, and British chins aren't long and pointy, or at least the royal families aren't. They're, like, wide at the bottom. So if you look at, like, page two of my digest, then you'll see the comparison of Charles, who I think they did an alright job on the ears. He's got big ears like he does in real life. They're not, they're not quite big enough, but they've done, they've done better than you would think. The story opens with Prince Charles arriving at Diana's house and trying to take Diana's sister on a date. And she's like, nope, I never want to see that man again. Same. He's awful. <laughs> at which point Diana's like, well, all right, I guess I'll start dating him. <laughs> And Charles seems to have the same idea, so despite the fact she's only 17, I think, at the time, and he's like, he was like 12 years older than her, right? Ugh. So, yeah, he invites her to a ball, and she's like, okay, I'll bring my little brother who's 12 years old. So they just go to Buckingham Palace to this ball. There's some pictures of the Queen there. She also looks nothing like she is. And throughout the whole of this series, the Queen is just angry. She's just angry at Diana. <laughs> I was going to say, the Queen looks kinder than she looks in real life in this manga, but I'm glad they have seem to have nailed her spiteful nature. 
Also, in real life, they didn't start dating until three years after they first met, whereas in the manga, Charles and Diana start dating, like, immediately. You've got to have that love at first sight thing going on, even if it makes your Prince Charles a nonce. Yes. Exactly. But that runs in the family, really, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> well, along with haemophilia. <laughs> haemophilia and nonce... Noncery? Noncery, I want to say. <laughs> this is the first shot of Camilla. Camilla Parker Bowles. The first shot of her is her giving this massive side-eye to Diana with, like, an <laughs> evil glint. Camilla is the antagonist in this story, and she is described basically as pure evil. Mm. They do everything to kind of show her off as that in this. While at the ball, uh, we're on page three now, by the way, while at the ball, this random guy shows up and he's really handsome. <laughs> that's that's it. He's just this handsome guy who arrives and asks Diana to dance and she completely gets over her self-confidence issues by dancing with this handsome man and then he disappears. That's an HD texture pack ass jacket. <laughs> what they've done there is, if you've ever seen the anime version of the Count de Monte Cristo, there's this animation technique where you've got a pattern for characters' clothing on like a separate layer than everything else. So whenever they move, the textured pattern stays in the same place and their like outline moves and it looks like what they're trying to do with this jacket but as a still it's weird it works a lot better in motion i imagine yeah in motion <laughs> you can tell it's a stylistic choice no i think in motion it also looks stupid <laughs> no but you can tell it's a stylistic choice in motion whereas in this one it just looks lazy it just looks like the artist has drawn one pattern and decided not to redraw it at any point so this is the foundation presumably of our love triangle no, well, yes. No? Okay, so the love triangle, it's actually a love quadrangle, oh. uh, or square, if you will. Hmm, square. I've not heard of that before. It, it's, it's a shape with one more edge than a triangle. It's old. If you can imagine it. I think the Sega Saturn used them. <laughs> the the triangle is Camilla, Charles, and Diana, as it was in real life, but they throw in this extra character to spice things up in the manga, and we'll get back to him later. Diana would go on to like have a lover besides Charles, but that's a long time from now in the story, so... Yes, actually, you've reminded me, this is more like a love pentagram, because <laughs> one of her lovers is in this later, but much earlier in this book than he should be in real life. Yes, and because all of these people are demons. <laughs> no, Di Diana's not. Diana's not. Yeah, okay, Diana's okay. not. Right. No, 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 Diana's the yeah, one no, normal royal that they had killed. Yeah, she's the good. She's the good witch. <laughs> If you turn to page four, you'll see uh, that C Camilla is shown in a shot with a snake. <laughs> Diana's sister explains to her that the reason she stopped dating Charles is because of Camilla Parker Bowles. And uh, she says, that woman is a witch and I will have nothing to do with either of them anymore. But in the ballroom, Prince Charles just announces to everyone who's listening that he is going to start dating Diana. Like, out of nowhere, they've basically talked to each other for the whole of three sentences, and now he's announced, I am going to be going after this girl. Nobody else better think about dating her. And there's this great reaction shot of the queen and then, like, everyone else who's involved. And you just get one of those, like, anime cuts from each character to each character showing their reaction. <laughs> Chapter 3, we find out Camilla's motive is to have more power than the Queen and to become a person who is second only to God. 
<laughs> Again, demons, demons. In real life, there wasn't any documented affair with Camilla at this point. She had been dating Charles before he went into, I think he was in the Navy. Yes. And he was away for like eight months. And by the time he got back, she'd already got engaged to um, Andrew Parker Bowles. So that probably sucked for Charles. And you can kind of understand why he had the affair with her eventually. Because like, he didn't really get over her ever. But this manga portrays her like she's initiating the affair and she's the driving force there and she wants to break up yeah. Charles and Diana's relationship. Oh, right. So that's why they have to put Charles and Diana falling in love earlier. Because otherwise it wouldn't cast Camilla as the villain. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, Diana would be the intruder. Yeah. It's just as likely that Charles went after Camilla, you know? Oh, yeah. It was probably like a mutual thing. They'd known each other for years and years. This is just like medieval level of woman blaming. Like, this is all <laughs> yeah. Camilla's fault. And Charles yeah. is just, he wants to get away from her if he could. She's literally there with like a fucking snake. Does she serve him an apple later? <laughs> <laughs> the whole motivations thing is she's having this conversation with Charles and in the background like you see her in a monologue which is basically saying like well if I were to marry Charles then that wouldn't work because then I'd have to act like a princess and I'd have to be good and proper if I just have an affair with him I can manipulate him from the sidelines oh, that's wow. like her whole idea at some point in episode four, someone asks why Camilla won't marry Charles. And I was just like, well, she's already married to Andrew. <laughs> so like, that's why she's not going to marry Charles. Duh. They go to a fashion show and the fashion designer who is being shown at the show is David Emmanuel, who is the guy who designed Princess Diana's wedding dress. Diana gets tricked by Camilla into putting on a dress at this fashion show that's sizes too big. And so she's like, oh, no, I can't go out on the floor in this because like it'll look terrible on me and I'll ruin the show. So she like makes alterations to the dress quickly and then comes out and everyone's like, wow, this is the best dress David Emmanuel's ever made. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> David Emmanuel's like so pissed. Like he starts ranting and raving at her. He's like, he, cause he knows if she realizes that she's made a great dress, then he'll be ruined because he's been outdone by a 16 year old. So he's like, oh, this is the worst thing you could have done to me. You've put on this dress that I made and you've made alterations I didn't authorize this. You've ruined my artistic expression. While inside, he's like worried that people are going to find out she's she's amazing. Oh man, it's a real it's a it's a real Joss Whedon Zack Snyder here. Exactly. <laughs> he tries to grab Diana and is like, "Take off that dress at once." And Charles is like, "Nobody shall touch my woman." Scoops her up into his arms and leaves the uh, event with her. Are we contrasting this with real history yet, or are we just really off the rails by now? No. No, so David Emmanuel wasn't on the scene at this point, I don't think. You can see a picture of the two of them on page seven of what David Emmanuel actually looked like at this point in history and how he's portrayed in the manga. In real life, like he had long hair, clean shaven, doesn't wear glasses. In the manga, short hair, full beard, wears glasses. 20 years older. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a 50 year old man. And he's like, 25, 30 in real life at this point. We're on to chapter six of the book. Diana goes to visit her mother and explain to her that she's probably going to marry the prince. And her mum's like, yeah, do whatever you want. 
Diana's mother says that Diana's father forced her to drink medicines and formulas to help her give birth to a boy, and he always hated Diana and Diana's mother because she didn't give birth to a boy until like their third child. So Diana is basically like blamed as being one of the reasons that her parents got divorced. <laughs> Jesus. So she's told by her mother at this point, your father never wanted you, your godparents are commoners because of the fact he didn't want you, and uh, your sister's godparents are nobility because of the fact that uh, she wasn't a failure like you are. At the end of this chapter, the queen like introduces the royal fortune teller, and it's the guy from the ball at the start, the really attractive man. He is the personal fortune teller to Queen Elizabeth II. Why? Why did they have that? I don't know, but uh, he's important. We find out his name is Graham as well. Yes. <laughs> Graham is the extremely attractive man. He's like a counsel for the queen. He's her personal assistant. He's her fortune teller. She kind of like gets him to come out at parties so that he can tell all the women's fortunes to them when she's having like tea parties with the ladies of nobility. So Graham is completely fictional, right? He's extremely fictional, yes. I do like that they, they picked the name Graham though, which is like a stereo typical name for someone in that position. Oh, for yeah. us, it's ruined. <laughs> Graham already... Yeah. Yeah. The name of Graham already means something. Graham is a fictional car, but... Buy that for Graham's car. Buy access to Buckingham Palace. So Graham tells the Queen, yeah, Diana's great. Charles should marry her. It's fine. Whatever. Future shit. Yeah, good thing he's very laid back about it. Diana moves into one of the palaces with Charles, and on moving in, she finds a letter left on her pillow that's from Camilla that says we should be friends and specifically it's dated from like two days before she moves in and she only knew she was moving in like the day before <laughs> so what this tells her is that Camilla's kept more in the loop by the royal family than she is and so she starts to get worried about how much influence Camilla has over Charles because clearly he trusts her more than Diana also Camilla hires a spy to spy on Diana and any shot you see her in she's just like she looks evil she's like lurking behind a door and things I'll like spare you the details of this maid who's spying but she becomes a major character and eventually marries a journalist who also becomes like a minor character later on in the manga. Then the next chapter is the wedding. Uh, and interestingly, half of the panels in the manga at this point are traced over actual pictures from Diana and Charles's wedding. If you go to pages 12 and 13 in my document. Oh my god, that looks Awful. Oh, it's like anime heads badly photoshopped into an obvious trace of a real picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. This is so late. At this point, the artist must have been completely checked out. There is one shot that is just like a wide shot of them in a carriage, and it is just completely traced. Yeah. Like, it doesn't even look like they've tried. Also interesting to notice is uh, the massive amount of cleavage they draw on Diana in pictures where in the real life example there was no cleavage i'm sure we've we've had this discussion before what is an acceptable amount of cleavage to draw on a dead royal <laughs> i th i think if you're obviously taking a reference photo yeah do not add cleavage that wasn't there <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Anyway, Prince Charles is a lot more handsome in the manga than he is in real life. We get our first shot of Prince Philip in chapter 9, I think. 
and he's just having coffee. Prince Philip is my favorite character in this manga. Uh, he's great. He's always chill. He hates Charles. It's great. It's wonderful. <laughs> that was like real life. Yeah. Just like real life, yeah. Hates seatbelts, automobile safety. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking cool. The likeness isn't that bad. Yeah, no. It's not, not is it really? No. Because he didn't look ghoulish at this point. He's not saying something terribly offensive, though, so it's not realistic. At this point, Diana's like come out into society and arrived out, and all of the journalists are like, oh, Diana's great. We should write news stories about her. And Charles gets really pissed off because nobody's paying attention to him. <laughs> Everyone's paying attention to Diana because she's fashionable and pretty, and they won't pay attention to me. This is actually true. Nobody cares about my humanitarian work. Are we supposed to like Charles or not? I don't know, really. I don't think you're supposed to dislike him, but... Anyway, Camilla gets hit by a car <laughs> at this point, and this didn't happen in real life. <laughs> Charles cancels a date to go to the British Museum with Diana, his wife, to go and see Camilla in the hospital, which, I mean... Kind like you'd want to go see your friend if they were in the hospital, but if you got a date arranged, you know you'd, you'd maybe wait until after that. But they've had a big argument about the fact that like Diana's more popular than him anyway at this point. So like the the relationship is straining. You know, it's under strain. Diana clears her head by going for a walk and she approaches a man who's got a horse and asks if this is the horse stable. <laughs> Obviously, it is the horse stable because the horses are here. This man is James Hewitt, who did go on to have an affair with Diana in real life. However, their affair in real life was from 1986 to 1991, and we're still at 1981, I think, in this version of events. So we're like five to ten years too early for them to actually be having an affair. The maid who is spying on Diana takes a picture of James and Diana like just out on a walk together being friendly and shows it to the Queen. The Queen is pissed off and I'd like you to turn to page 18. Yeah. Damn, that's an angry Queen. The Queen is pissed as fuck just about the fact that Diana has outside friends. She's not allowed to be friends with commoners and the Queen absolutely throws a tantrum, calls Diana to the palace. She's like, you are not allowed to have friends who are commoners. And Diana's like, oh, all right, I'm sorry. I feel like they draw the anime queen in 4-3, whereas the real queen's in 16-9. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone's narrow in this, but I it's like they're drawing her like a villain again. Yes, yes. So they've drawn her narrower to make her more menacing, more sharp. The queen is definitely one of the primary antagonists of this story and of real life. <laughs> primary antagonist yes. of the UK, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is the point where Graham shows up. He introduces himself to Diana, says his name is Graham Crosby, and he says he's the royal astrologer. <laughs> and then he gives Diana his card. It's his business card, not a Magic the Gathering card or anything like that. We find out that the spy is specifically spying on Diana because her mother's in hospital and she needs to pay for her mother's chemotherapy now i'm not sure if i'm not sure if anyone knows this but in england healthcare is free <laughs> not for the royals the royals <laughs> probably have like booper or something no no they, this this woman and her mother aren't royals they are maids oh. for the royal family ah. well, okay that that is weird actually yeah that is weird i think that that's such a common like plot device for american dramas that this offer just kind of thought it would work 
Assume they would work. Exactly. It's America, even at this point, uh, approaching culture victory in <laughs> Civ Six. <laughs> well, this is, I mean, if the Venga's Chinese, then I assume there's no free healthcare in China. So they may have just assumed. Yeah, they may they may not know that. Yeah. Um, so this journalist who's like one of the peripheral characters approaches the spy asking if she's got a scoop for him. He's from the Mirror. Specifically, the mirror, I think, is mentioned in the thing. So take of that what you will. Okay, sure. She asks him for £180,000 for a roll of scandalous pictures. <laughs> for you millennials listening, a roll of film is what we used to store images on before we had digital photography. Uh, Specs, you're a millennial. I'm a millennial. Yeah. We both yeah, used I'm film. Ex- I'm explaining to myself because yeah. I don't understand. Stop it. It's what you use to make pictures that you can then draw anime faces on. <laughs> Charles confronts James Stewart to find out why he's been nice to his wife. <laughs> and he, like, Charles gets into a lot of fist fights in this manga, and he, he just decks James Hewitt, sits on top of him, pins him to the ground with one arm, and tells him to never talk to him or his wife ever again. It's great. It's also very hard to tell who is winning the fight in the manga, because they both look exactly the same. If you turn to page 20, then you can see the the fight. (laughs) They really do. The artist just draws everyone blonde. The Queen's blonde, Charles is blonde, neither of them were in real life. Yeah. I mean, I think only old people look different in this manga. Mm. Anyway, Charles tells James that he will destroy him. Nice. <laughs> like, word for word, he says, I will end you. <laughs> <laughs> Diana at this point is, like, she is considering ending the relationship she's so upset and like in the manga the timeline is they got married a week ago now she's thinking of a divorce (laughs) (laughs) her brother charles spencer comes to um the family home he's like 17 at this point i think and he's like you you've got to talk to him like he's treating you badly and she's like no don't say anything to him it'll be all right and um (laughs) at one point he's like he spends so much time with camilla so much more than you is there something wrong with Charles's brain? Yes. Is the actual quote... (laughs) (laughs) Is something wrong with Charles's brain? Charles confronts Charles, so Charles Spencer confronts Charles Windsor, and uh, Charles Windsor decides, no, actually I'm going to teach this little piece of shit a lesson. And he fucking uppercuts his knee into Charles Spencer's solar plexus, like a 17-year-old kid. (laughs) He calls him a little bastard and tells him not to have opinions on, like, his relationship with his sister. It's hilarious. Like, I don't know what Chinese or Taiwanese people think that the royal family is like, but they don't go around beating up 17-year-old children. We don't know that. Well... Yeah, 17, too old for the royal family. (laughs) I was gonna say, like, some certain parts will only do it to female children, though. Thanks, Andrew. Anyway, at the end of this episode, Diana is so shocked by the fact that Charles is beating the shit out of her little brother that she falls down the stairs. (laughs) Now, in real life, Princess Diana did throw herself down the stairs while she was four months pregnant with Prince William. Quote from Diana, I had told Charles I felt so desperate and I was crying my eyes out. He said I was crying wolf. I'm not going to listen. He said, you're always doing this to me. I'm going riding now. (laughs) So I threw myself down the stairs. The queen comes out absolutely horrified, shaking. She was so frightened. 
I think that's much more messed up than anything that's happened in this manga so far. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So there is a historical basis for the fact that she was fucking depressed at this point. As a 17-year-old, she'd entered into the royal family without much idea, I guess, of what that really meant, just because she had this idea of she wanted to be a princess. And it fucked her up, basically. The queen fucking hated her. Everyone in the royal family hated her, I think. Like, she didn't get along with them at all. Yeah. Diana goes to hospital after falling down the stairs and she's found to be pregnant. We're at a point here now, page 23, we've got some comparison shots of the Queen in the manga and in real life. Has the Queen ever worn hoop earrings? Unlikely. (laughs) I don't think I have ever seen the Queen wear hoop earrings. I tried to find pictures of it. I don't think any exist. This is an odd one. We get a picture of Phil manspreading as well. Oh my god, that is a... Uh, he's, he's very impressive. Yeah, that's, yeah, that is some Chad behavior. <laughs> it's got an invisible exercise ball between there. <laughs> the Queen angrily complains some more about Diana. Graham tries to calm her down. Prince Philip says that Diana is a good egg and that she has been spoiling Charles all his life and she's nurtured him too much and it's turned him into a rotter. So uh, <laughs> Phil is very much backing <laughs> Diana in this whole thing. Apparently she, in real life, he did as well, like most of the time. That's good. Because he married into the family as well, apparently. He had some kind of inkling as to what she was going through in that respect. Well, he's he's the queen's consort. And cousin. Yes. He's not allowed to be called king. He's not allowed to be called king. Yeah. Nor nor were they allowed to take his surname as well, because that was another thing. Yeah. Prince Philip is uh, like a dog. He just did things arbitrarily. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Page 24. The deal is struck between the spy and the mirror, and... You can see an image of the laughing devil in the background. Hell yeah. That's a devil. (laughs) There's like this really well-drawn... Comparatively well-drawn. Picture of the devil with like lightning and thunder in the background and stuff. In episode 16, this is my favourite chapter favorite chapter by far so charles is at a polo game with camilla and they're hanging out rather than him being at the hospital with diana who has just thrown herself down the stairs oh right so he went to visit camilla in the hospital but not his wife yeah so he went to visit camilla in the hospital not his wife and now he's out at a polo match hanging out with camilla when he should be like in the hospital concerned about his wife phil hears about this and shows up in a trench coat (laughs) (laughs) very serious man Prince Philip confronts Charles, why are you at a polo match when you should be with your wife? He basically says, like, are you here having an affair with Camilla? And Charles's response is, I didn't do anything. Don't randomly accuse me of having an affair. And Philip tells Charles that he always knew that he was going to amount to nothing. (laughs) And he sent him off to the Navy to try to toughen him up. But it didn't work. I think this might actually be, like, that sounds quite accurate, doesn't it, to the Royals? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Didn't Philip be like, my son's going to... A private school and he's going to the navy to learn a real man and and philip was just some weirdo who wanted to talk to plants and stuff and he ended up going through all this stuff philip was like the the son of the king of greece who was deposed effectively so like he was like shifted out of greece and into various different places across europe as like an exiled heir to the throne effectively this is like in a war band where you find all those like pretenders in other people's courts 
Yeah, yeah, so effectively what happened is he, like, Philip is used to, like, being on the run effectively, and thus, when he got to the UK, he went to the private boarding schools and was toughened up. He joined the Navy and was in World War II and toughened up. So, like, you get to the point, effectively, where he sends his son to do exactly the same fucking things. Like, exactly the same boarding schools, exactly the same fucking post in the Navy. He may have uh, imported it, but this is an aspect of British culture where if you're wealthy enough, you get sent to a private boarding school so that you can become an emotionally maladjusted sort of weird psycho man. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And put your dick in a pig. <laughs> oh yeah, that too. Philip calls Charles unfilial and then slaps the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm loving the top bit here, which is like that guy with the knife from the how-to like images. Like... <laughs> How to avoid man with knife. Oh yeah, it really is, yeah. He's fast. Charles gets the shit slapped out of him by his dad, and then he jumps on a horse and rides off crying. Graham urges Diana to be strong so that her baby doesn't die in the womb, and she says she's not sure that she can be because she knows that Charles wants Camilla more than he wants her. There's a little side plot where uh, Diana meets the mother who's the chemo patient of the maid who's spying on her. James Hewitt shows up naked in Diana's hospital bed. (laughs) What? Turns out he's actually wearing trousers, but like Uh. she gets back to her room and he's just there like under the sheets like, hey, you want to fuck? And she's like, no, I'm married, actually. So it's James Hewitt presumably being driven by spite right now. He's been beaten up. He's been threatened for nothing more than, you know, like having a nice chat with Diana. And he's like, well... I guess I'll fuck your wife then. No, I think there was a genuine spark between them and like she she does fancy him in the manga as well as in real life because they did have an affair in real life although that was like five years from now. He tries it on with her because he knows that she's unhappy and he knows that they like each other and she's like, no, I'll see how it goes with Charles, I guess. Why couldn't they like do time skips so that the timeline fits? Why does Diana's entire life in the royal family have to happen over the course of like two weeks? Because for some reason they wanted to go up until before like neither of the princes are born by the end of this manga so I guess they just didn't want the complication of having children involved as well with like the whole affairs and stuff wonder if the artist even knows how to draw children or whether we would just get like an adult (laughs) but with a weird head Charles and Camilla are shown to be at Camilla's house and about to have sex. And then as they're engaging in foreplay, Charles is like, he starts thinking about Diana and he's like, no, this is wrong. I won't have sex with Camilla. I love my wife. And so he leaves and Camilla's like, oh, I thought I had him. You can come out now. And Andrew Parker Bowles steps out from behind a curtain and has just been watching his wife about to have sex with Prince Charles and he's he's just completely okay with this. Jesus fucking Christ. What happens next? There's a little aside where they find out the backstory of like the father of the spy who was some German violinist or something. The whole reason for that is Diana realizes that she doesn't want to get an abortion. Then she like resolves to eliminate her self-pity and start standing up for herself. So they go to a society dinner and Camilla like comes up to Diana and basically says to her, I've been having an affair with Charles. You're nothing to him. She's trying to like make Diana break essentially. And Diana with her newfound resolve that she's gained is like, I don't care. And you're a fraud. 
Graham walks in and is like, I respect women who show their true personality. He tells Camilla that he hates her uh, and that she's awful. And then Andrew Parker Bowles shows up with a, another woman on his arm. And Camilla's like, who the fuck is this slut? I, I'm pretty sure she actually says the word slut as well. She's like, who's this slut with you, Andrew? And Andrew's like, well, you're having an affair with Charles. So I thought I'd have an affair out in the open at this high society dinner party. <laughs> <laughs> so Camilla tells Andrew not to embarrass her and turn to page 31. Whoa. Whoa. Andrew slaps the shit out of Camilla and tells her not to get up herself and she'd be no one without him and his money, basically. The slap gets anime speed lines. This is some slap. <laughs> oh yeah, she, he like knocks her off her feet with this slap and then he pulls a very anime face. That is, yeah. And at this point I've written in my notes, I'm starting to wonder if this manga constitutes some kind of libel. UK libel laws are actually pretty bad. You wouldn't get this published over here, I don't think. Yeah, I guess maybe that's why it's okay, because it was only ever published in, like, China. Taiwan, yeah. Camilla cries for the first time in her life because everyone has turned on her, including her husband, her lover, her lover's wife. Does the manga actually say that she cries for the first time in her life? I don't think it does, oh. but it's, it's like heavily implied that she has a heart of stone up until this point, so probably. Mm -hmm. That chapter ends with Diana asking Graham to be her backup shag if she ever breaks up with Charles. He's like, yeah, sure. But Charles sees her making out with Graham. And uh, Graham tells his mum that he's going to start having an affair with Diana. And Graham's mum is like, no, I didn't get you that scholarship at Cambridge to go do divination so that you could throw away your life in the palace by getting the prince's wife to cheat on him. That's a, a divination degree from Cambridge? Uh, I guess so. Oh, it was Oxford, actually. But like, he doesn't say what his degree's in, but he's a fortune teller. Like... <laughs> I guess Harry Potter had been out for a, a couple of years by now, right? <laughs> Page 33, the Queen has a really long neck. She does, that's a really long neck. Diana tells the Queen to fuck off, basically, and the Queen is surprised that Diana's finally grown a spine. But this is, this is the arc. Diana goes from being self-conscious and not knowing how to act in royal society to not giving a fuck and doing her own shit. And then Charles cries on the ground like the negative man from Mother 3. Yes. Man, he's so spindly. And his hands are huge. What the fuck is this? Look at His hands are huge. His arms are weirdly long. And then his legs are also weirdly long. Giant clown shoes. His <laughs> shoes that are right angles. And he has a tiny head. Yowie hands. And yet another uh, HD texture pack jacket. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whole suit, really. And then the manga just ends. <laughs> it skips forward to 1997 and Diana's funeral. Oh. That was the most surprising thing to me when I skipped through it. I skipped to the end and it just stops the plot. And then Diana dies in an epilogue. <laughs> yeah. It basically says in 1997, Princess Diana unfortunately passed away in a car accident in Paris. Now, we're not allowed to call those car accidents anymore because it implies that uh, there wasn't a perpetrator. It's no one's fault. Mm. Mm. Collision. You call it a collision. A traffic collision she died in. RTC. Given the level of like phoning in with the art and stuff, it has to be that the author was just like, I can't be bothered to do 
room. Because you, if you were planning the story from the start, you would have the death of Diana as like the the dramatic conclusion when all of the emotions run at their highest, and then all the characters, you know, crowd around and you know they they repent their sins or they fight or you know something. Maybe it was selling, but not selling enough. So they decided to just call it quits and just like make one last one. It was just cancelled, and they were like, oh, by the way, she died. <laughs> The finale of this, like, because this is the epilogue, the finale is Diana saying, all right, I'll stick with this royalty thing, but on my terms. Charles being afraid that his relationship is going down the drink and like nothing's really resolved. It's like, will she get with Graham? Is she going to stick with Charles? Like, what's the plan here? Because Charles feels like she's going to leave him. But She actually did divorce Charles. Yeah. Eventually, didn't she? Like, end on that. He started having an affair with Camilla. She was having an affair with James Hewitt. And then like after that, I, I think she had a, a couple of different people and it was like known you know pe- people knew this was happening from both sides like everyone knew that they weren't happy together and that they were doing other things it was very very public it was very very public and it was very uncomfortable for everybody yeah but you can't have diana doing that in the manga because she is pure that paints her in a bad light because she's the protagonist yeah because it paints her in a bad light she's the protagonist so she has to be very friendly with james hewitt but but turn him down when she was having the affair with hewitt in 86 that's a bad when Charles and Camilla started their affair as well. So, um, but yeah, that's the Princess Diana manga, Manhua. Um, I enjoyed it, actually. You got really invested in it. I remember you sending me like your observations on this. Like, look yeah. at this. Look at this bullshit. What is this? What was interesting to me was just like having it framed in a historical context and being like, this is both bullshit, but I can kind of see where it's coming from with some of this. And it's just funny to think that someone would make like a a semi-biographical manga, but change it so much. It's just, it's it's bizarre. And I think that's why I like it, because it's bizarre. You know, this is the real-time reality show that has been running in the UK for thousands of years. Yep. Okay. You know, if you're just catching up on it now, boy, are you in for a ride. I hope Taiwanese people read this and were like, ooh, not going to the UK then. If you'd like to learn more about British... Culture. Culture. High society. Consider watching The Crown on Net. On Pirate Bay. Are are we sponsored? What the fuck is this? I want some of that money. Can you give me some of that Netflix money so that I can buy Graham a new carburetor? Yes. Consider watching The King's Speech on BBC iPlayer. Consider watching Honey, I Shrunk the Kids on Rick Moranis. Watch The Favourite. It's actually good. The Favourite's alright, yeah. Consider watching Disney's Moana. If you haven't seen Mandy, that movie's fucking sick. I like Mandy. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah, dude. That has nothing to do with British royalty, but I no, love Mandy. No, no, it Mandy. does. Like, like, there's the devil <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and evil, and I can, I can see them, you know, like... There's evil, therefore it's related to the British royal family. <laughs> evil intentions. <laughs> just Prince, Prince, A- Prince Andrew just turning to someone saying, she's still burning. <laughs> Complete! I like to play apolitical games, uh, like a game in which uh, a stereotypical immigrant helps keep a monarch on the throne mm-hmm. who never seems to do any actual statecraft, you know? Oh, wait, Dishonored? <laughs> I too love the legend of Prince Philip. <laughs> do you think that's why Link never says anything? 
he just doesn't understand English or Hylian. <laughs> he runs in, he's like, yeah. Oh, he doesn't know how to talk. No, he's just speaking his language. Now, this is this is a gamer web comic, Specs. You've written a gamer web comic. Oh no! Tim not Buckley. again. Here is gamer joke. Funny geek joke. 